are back. Welcome, everybody. Episode number two of Taking Stock, hobby content collaboration project between Sports Cards Live and the Sports Card Dad Network. It is Tuesday night, May the 23rd. My name is Jeremy Lee, and this guy right here, my co-host, Mr. DPZ, Mr. Dennis Zender. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, my friend? How are you doing? I am doing good. I am doing good. This is Taking Stock, where we take stock on issues in the hobby. Tonight's topic is sports cards as investments. Yes, no. What are the issues? Collecting versus investing, all that. But we have to also, we have to address the big news of the week. Mm -hmm. PWCC acquired by Fanatics. That That is big news. That's big news for the hobby. It's big news for me. I do. I covered live auction coverage for PWCC. But what what were some of your first impressions, Dennis, when you first learned of that news? Well, it, for, for me, I thought it, it, to me it, it signified that Fanatics is doubling down on their bet on the hobby. You know, we're going to invest further into the space. Maybe they were looking. There was something attractive about PWCC that that made them um, want to commiserate a deal and get in and maybe be competitive with golden and ebay i think that that creates um in my opinion it creates a a marketplace that favors the collector because now you have a platform that can step up um and compete with those big boys and as someone who has a lot of uh, non-paying ebay items i'm very much looking forward to seeing pwcc grow in that area yeah, I mean, listen, I think uh, good points uh, for, for myself. You know, for me, it's going to be business as usual, the way I normally conduct my affairs as far as buying cards on PWCC, which I've been doing. I'm going to continue to do that. They get a lot of great cards over there. As for the content that I do, you know, I cover their premier auction. Two nights from now, myself and Adam Gray are going to go live and cover the premier auction. We're going on over two years of doing that. And my understanding is it's, you know, I'm going to keep on doing what I do. I'm not going to ask too many questions right now. I know they got a lot of stuff to work out on their end. It's a anytime there's a business combination like that, there's a whole integration process that needs to be undergone and right. it's going to they're going to go through that process and as they do, maybe they'll talk about what's going on with uh with their various content partners that they have including myself. So, I'm just going to sit back patiently, see what happens, but in the meantime, I'm going to continue to do what I've been doing with PWCC and uh, bringing that fun auction ending coverage to the audience. So that's it. Th- those, those are my, those are my thoughts on that. Uh, I see Warren Lawfer in the house. Warren is with, with fanatics, uh, VP business development. Welcome to the show. Warren, congratulations on the acquisition. I have a feeling Warren was involved with that because he's, he's that guy, you know, he, he understands he's, he's a business uh, wizard, I would say. So, uh, good to see you joining the program, Mr. Warren. Thank you to the professor for commenting on last week. Yes, we had a ton of fun. Giamaz is in the house. Two comp, two likes already. Thank you, Professor Carlos Diego. Sluggers 55 in the house. If you don't know Sluggers 55 and my buddy Carlos, what are you doing? Check him out. Good evening, Mod Cult Studio. Yes, big news of late with PWCC. Victoria Day Hall, you know, Victoria Day holidays are great, but your kids aren't in school up here. So, you know, it's it's, an, it's another day. So, but hey, love my kids. Happy to spend the time with them. What's up, David S. Jordan Hudson, Craig's cards. And Professor says, my first reaction on the announcement was my cards are safe. 
I think a lot of people might have breathed some relief when it comes to that because I think there were there was just uncertainty, and that's but that's yeah. fine. There's always going to be some uncertainty. And Dennis, please jump in anytime you want to as I run through these comments. No, I think that the, the sentiment is people feel like this was a good thing for PWCC. It was a good thing for the hobby. And I can't disagree with that. I, I don't know all the specifics. I'll, I won't speak on them financially and what this means. Uh, I, for, for the people that are there and leadership and all of that, I, I do think that this, the overall sentiment is this is a good thing. It, from what I'm, I haven't watched a lot of content to see reactions of some of the influencers and folks within our, ho our hobby content community. But I feel like, okay, now PWCC is a stronger brand. It's backed by the finances and the behemoth that is Fanatics, which gives them a leg. And it, it, it enters them into that space where they're going to compete. We got Golden with the show. They're strong. Now you have PWCC entering the ring going, hey, wait a second. You know, eBay... I wonder if eBay, eBay might be the 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 third wheel here sooner or later. I wonder if that turns out to be the case. I wonder too. They are such a behemoth that I, I don't know if, if if they can truly be overtaken uh, in the in the nearest future. I mean, years and years, maybe. But you know what? We've been surprised before, so let's see. But I don't think the folk for me the focus isn't going to be on what's eBay going to do. For me, the focus is going to be on. How is Fanatics going to integrate PWCC into their family of businesses? And how are they going to use it to complement the other hobby businesses that they have? And that's going to be a time will tell sort of thing. And I'm going to watch, eagerly watch and excitedly watch because I love this hobby. I love evolution. I love progress. And hopefully this ends up being good for, for the hobby, for hobbyists, for collectors, for collectivesters, for all of us. So a couple more comments here. Professor, yeah, we did that one. Hobby Champ said Fanatics clearly values PWCC's mailing list, probably the main reason they bought them combined with theirs. It's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, but I think I think the platform's pretty important too. Now Fanatics doesn't have to go build a marketplace. Hello, Collector's Dream. Hello, Chad Shipper. David S. Uh, sports Car Dad is not on taking stock, but Dennis Zender is the representative of the Sports Car Dad Network Stale Prod says my experience with PWCC has been great. Glad they can survive. Hello, Chasing Majors. Hello, Ziggy. No. Hello, Jeff McMahon, and everybody else. I'm not going to be able to get through all these comments because they are coming in fast and furious. So let's switch it up now, and let's move into the topic that we plan to talk about tonight because I think it's true. We can probably spend this whole time talking about PWCC, but I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of content out on it, and Let's talk about sports cards as investments. Are they investments? Can they be investments? There's been a lot of talk about this. I've been involved in a lot of the talk. I've I've come I've come out and said sports cards can be investments. They can be. They don't have to be. Not all of them are, but they can be an investment. And when we talk about that, I think we have to think about things Dennis like Investments oftentimes spin off other income, whether it be interest or dividends or rental income. You know, if you own a, a stock of a company, you may get a dividend. You may not. If you own a debt instrument, you're going to get interest. If you own real estate, you're likely to earn rental revenue. Sports cards don't spin off any income. 
Is that reason enough to declare that sports cards are not investments? That's it. Final word. They cannot be an investment. I don't think so. I think they can be investments, but with a very important caveat. I don't believe many of the cards that we care about like are investments. I think only a handful, a small handful of cards are purely investments from the investment standpoint. If you're looking at the S&P 500 and leveraging and against that, I, I just don't, th there's just too much um, nuance when it comes to the cards. There's, there's a lot of overprinting, you know, the parallels are out of control in modern town and modern um, cards. I think you have to have a specific player, a specific card, and it has to be a card that is of demand. And that demand may change over time. But, you know, you talk about PMGs, you talk about rubies, you talk about gem masters, like, you know, the the the, the 90s inserts that are really popular on, you know, the Dunkin Donuts, the Jambalayas. Now, I'm a 90s insert type guy. Um, love my Bowman Chrome and baseball, but I believe it really comes down to the player you're collecting and it has to be a big name player. So you got to start there. You got to start with the Jordans, the Kobe's players like that, you know, Babe Ruth. And then you, and then you go to the card. Okay. The card, you know, Honus Wagner, the 48 leaf, Jackie Robinson, you've got the Gaudi of Ruth, the 52 mantle, 51 um, Bowman mantle, um, and on and on Bill Russell, um, you talk about Wayne Gretzky, 79 OPG and tops. You talk about the cards that are that are desirable, the big, big cards. And then you go, okay, the player that you're collecting, they all have to kind of jive. Now you can take it a secondary route. And I'm when I talk about the rubies and the PMGs, that's like the next level, right? You talk about the next level of cards. I just think it's in that class in high, high grade. Like I'm in you know, PSA 8, 9, 10 is where you're truly going to see, in my opinion, an investment. And that's none of the cards I own. So I know that it, that I'm exempt from it, but I also enjoy what I have. And we'll talk about that later. But that's where I settle right now, Jeremy. On yeah, that. yeah. I mean, listen, there are a lot of cards that are out there in our market. Every day there is more and more being produced and put out there. And as we move forward, there are going to be more and more. I think that when we're talking about can sports cards be investments, I wonder, and we talked about this, what percentage of cards out there can be? We floated around, I mean, you floated around the number 10%. I said, no, man, 10%, way too high. Be, and simply because there are so, and I know you were just throwing a dart. There are so many cards out there. There have been a billion cards produced in, over time. And of course, I'm throwing a dart there, but there's been tons of cards. And I think that the percentage of cards that actually could be qualified or should be looked at by the purchaser as an investment is very, very small, very small, less than 1%, maybe less than a 10th of a percent. I don't know, but I think it's a very narrow amount of cards that do qualify or that could qualify as investments. I also think that it's up to the individual. What I might consider to be an investment when I put out money into a card you may not, or someone else may not consider to be uh, right. someone. Someone who's a billionaire might think a ten thousand dollar card—that's an expense, straight to the income statement. But that same billionaire might buy a card for a quarter million. And say, now that's an investment. That's an asset on my balance sheet, not straight to the income statement. And, and you make a good point. Gropen Cards actually has a great, great comment here. Um, I'll read it out loud. Um, it's, it reads: um, I think Dennis is saying which cards 
are likely to be profitable investments. Any card could be an investment as it has solely to do with what your intentions are when you buy the card. Well, that is right. That's that, that is it is what I what I'm saying, at least what I believe. Guys, remember, I'm just a I'm just a person with a belief. It's not gospel. You know, and again, I'm I'm a newer guy to the hobby. So take take anything I say with a grain of salt. But this is after spending a lot of money learning and going through the ups and downs and selling at a loss left and right to get to the point where I'm at now. And I'm just based on that knowledge going through the the, 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 the bumps in the road. This is where I've arrived. I have cards now that I like to think are going to be investments. Your second half of your question. Yes, of course. But do I think they are the cards that I, are they any of the cards that are listed off in high grade? No. But the problem is, other than fractional ownership, which we shouldn't talk about today, it's really hard to get your hands as a collector on any of those cards in high grade. None of us are going to sell our house to buy a card. So it, it that's where it gets really dicey. I, I believe that those cards, you, you can almost talk to anybody. If I went to my financial advisor and went, I want to get these cards. I think they're financial. They're going to be investment instruments for me for my future. And my time horizon's long. I mean, if, unless I'm telling them, talking about a Honus Wagner, you know, T206 or a Mickey Mantle 52 top, the cards that people know about, you know, if I have to explain it and it takes me 20 minutes to explain why this card's important, I just don't know. And that's a lot of the cards I have. I just don't know if those are truly going to be investments, even if they want them to be. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I think it does. I think I th see. I don't focus so much only on the highest graded cards. I, you know, to me, I picked. Uh, if I were to pick up a, uh, say, a PSA four, Hank Aaron rookie, fifty-four tops. To me, that's an investment piece. It's going to cost me in the thousands. For me, my 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 threshold for investing in a card is like. 250 to 500 bucks. Once I hit 250 to 500, somewhere in there, I consider it to be an investment for me. Not only an investment, it's a collectible. These yeah. are all, I love, to, I collect the cards. But at that point, when I am, when I am deploying what is significant amount of money to me, I choose, and I have the right to do this, as do all of you, to say, okay, this is a card that I'm going to look at as a, an investment called sports cards on my personal balance sheet, my net worth statement. And that's where I'm going to put it because I don't want to lose money on this card. And I'm going to be, I'm going to attempt to be savvy enough to only buy cards that are not going to go down in value. And there's been some great comments already. Mitch's comment right here is very good. Not all investments go up in value. Some go to, and it comes down to your intention. That's the key to me. A very key part in this is that nobody out there can tell me or tell you that that card is or isn't an investment. If someone wants to tell me that my cards aren't investments, then I tell you to mind your own business because you just don't know what you're talking about. That's not up to you. That's up to me. So intentions are extremely important. Chasing Majors here says, not all assets appreciate in value. True. <laughs> not all cards will appreciate in value. Very true. Some will turn into appreciating investments, but perspective is key. And by perspective, I would I think that, that Chasing Majors my perspective is in terms of what was your intention acquiring the card in the first place, but also what is your time horizon? What, what are you looking at? You know, I've been, I've said it a hundred times. My time horizon for a lot of my cards is 25 years. When I'm 75 years old, I'm going to go on the, on the road and sell up, you know, sell off everything that I built up over the, over my whole lifetime. So time horizon is extremely important, extremely important. There's another comment here. 
Uh, Ziggy made this comment. You need to define investment first. I consider time an investment too. If I'm in sports cards making money, I might say the return on my time is profitable. So two things here. What Ziggy is getting at is turning it into a business. If you are, there's a difference between, and it's subtle, but there is a difference between the intentions of I'm going to buy collections, have inventory and flip them at card shows and online versus I'm going to buy a card for four grand or five grand or 40 grand or a half a million. And I'm going to put it in the safe for 20 years, two different approaches. So I think what Ziggy's really getting at is turning it into a business, in which case you have to get paid for your time. So I completely agree with that. I like Carlos Diego's comment here. I always say this when we talk about cards becoming investments. Money can always buy you cards, but cards can't necessarily buy you money. That is a very interesting, it's one of those weird stoic philosophy, you know, say, I, I, but I, I like it. I dig it. I do. Case in point, <clears throat> like if I needed to sell some cards and I'm selling some right now, I'm getting out of basically all of the modern things I have. Um, it, I'm, get, I'm getting people that aren't paying. I'm, I'm getting way less. I know the market's soft right now. I know we're in a very precarious situation, a credit crunch, the whole nine. I get it. So it's a moment in time. And I know that, you know, it's all cyclical. Things go up and go down. But we just came off of a major event that was the hobby boom. And so I think a lot of folks came into that going, and, and they're listening to a lot of people talk about cards being investments and doing all that. I was one of them. And I got hooked into it too. I, oh, gosh, you know, th this 83 Tops Wade Boggs PSA 9 is going to be an investment. No, it's not. The PSA 10, maybe, probably not even the PSA 10. Like, it's going to be maybe two or three cards in the 80s in baseball that will likely be the investments. Um, I, I could be off there. But I just think that people have, have been looking at this very differently. And there's been a lot of folks coming in going, whoa, you know, this card I had, like okay, Ken Griffey Jr., 89 Upper Deck, PSA 10. That card at one point was like five or $600. Then it was up to $5,000. If you bought that card at $5,000 thinking it was going to be an investment, now you can sell it for $1,800. you are not feeling very good. Now your, your, your horizon's right. If you're selling it, your time horizon's later, maybe that catches back up. But as you learn the hobby and you learn pops and the production line and the fact that they're still printing that card, you're going to have basically two or three thousand, maybe 3,000 PSA 10s at the end of the day. And will you ever get back to $5,000? You might not. So I just think there's a lot of people in the hobby that might be thinking the way I'm thinking right now that might've gotten burned a little bit. And so look at this a little bit differently. Now, then that's on me though. See, I'm not blaming anybody for that. I made my own decisions. I, I clicked the buttons, right? But I've also learned, I've come out of this differently and I've learned a lot and I, I'm still here and I love it, but it's, it's definitely changed the way I look at sports cards. So yeah, the, the Ken Griffey Jr. is a good example because I've, I I have one or had one. I don't even know if I still have one, but I've had one. And that card is gone. That card is, has really followed the the general indices of the, of the indexable cards in the hobby as far as following the cycle. It's like the Michael Jordan 86 Fleer rookie card. It's, these are, these are, are good measures of where the hobby is at at any given time. And a lot of people really consider those to be like the beacons of the hobby, if you will. So a lot of it depends on, you know, where we're at in general economic cycles. But but that only matters if you have if you're looking at when did you get in? If you got in in the second, the, the Q2 forward in 2021, uh, you know, into early 2022, 
you didn't get in a great time. You got in at the peak. So people watching right now who put a lot of their, who deployed capital into sports cards at that time and never before or rarely before did not have a good, have, have not had a good experience, especially if they have locked in those losses by selling those cards. Yep. You just because you bought a card for 10 grand in 2021, it's worth four grand now. You haven't lost six grand. You only lose six grand if you lock in that loss, realize it by selling it. My personal position, and I've got I've got a few cards. Like I'm always buying cards through the peaks and the valleys. So some of my cards that I bought at the peak have come down in value now, but I don't look at it as a loss. I look at it as okay. I'm just going to wait longer or I'm going to have to because, well, I don't want to sell it anyway, but 20, 20, 25 years from now, I'm confident enough that those cards will at least get to a place value-wise where I should keep even with inflation. And that's my goal. When I buy a card, yeah, part of me says, okay, I hope this thing goes up in value for when I end up selling it. Otherwise, my, you know, otherwise, all I get out of it, which is still good, is the pride of ownership and the and the joy of owning cards as a collector, which there's a lot of value there. Actually, there's a lot of value there for me. And that reminds me of a card, a comment right here. Sam Schmidt says, cards are an investment in my mental health. Yeah. We weren't even, that wasn't even part of our plan tonight. But that's so true to me. That that to me is like cards are a hobby. They well, for me, being a, a hobbyist. That is what it is. They are an investment in mental health. But let's focus on the financial side of things because that to me is a gimme. Sam Schmidt, thank you for the comment. But you have to look at when did you get in? And, you know, my financial advisor has told me that if you only ever, only ever purchased stocks the day before the market tanked, so if there were seven recessions in the past hundred years and you right. only ever bought stocks the day before the market tanked, you're still up today. Follow that logic. So I buy a stock for a hundred dollars tomorrow. The the market tanks is now worth 20 bucks, but here we are after, you know, 80 years, 60, 40, 20 years later, you are still going to have had a positive return on investment. And this is like I said, I mean, this is hearsay from my financial advisor, but I trust him and I think he's right. So that I think the same thing can be said, maybe not as, you know, pinpoint as targeted, but I, I personally apply that mindset to my cards, a card I bought in the second half of 2021, that is now worth 40% of the value. I'm not sweating it. If I lock in that loss by selling it, now I sweat it because I'm out that money. I have no chance of getting it back on that. However, and this is important too, Dennis, sometimes it, the right decision is to get out of the card, lock in that loss, take that, take those proceeds, whatever it is, for 40%, and then re redeploy them into something else, whether it's sports cards or something else, because what you redeploy them in might be a better holding than the card that you sold. And that's what I did. That's what I did because I didn't want to just take the L and go away and cry. I was like, I still love this hobby. I still love cards. I just made bad decisions. I just made poor purchases. Um so I educated myself. I went back to the grind, grindstone and, okay, I need to learn more about the hobby, what cards are important. I need to narrow my focus on somebody that I care about, a player that I'd like to collect. And I lucked out in the sense that, you know, the, the only reason I really came back was to buy more Ken Griffey Jr. cards. And so I just settled back on Junior 
I'm a Seattle, Washington guy, born and raised here. Um, this is where I, that's my favorite athlete of all time. So I'm just going to go target his stuff. And thankfully, he's a very collected guy. Um, he's not Jordan or Michael, but he's very collected. And there's a very um, active, robust junior, Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. collecting community, which the pride of ownership, all of that stuff plays in, right? Um, and I just, I, I redeployed that money into cards that I felt down the road would appreciate in value. And I've bought most of those cards in the last year, half, second half of this last year and into this year. So it's been capital from the cards I bought, even with the losses wrapped in, I've pushed them into all of those cards. And now I just have a handful of cards and they're just all him. And, you know, I have one Kobe super factor. I feel really good about too. Right. So it, I just very, very specific and very focused but I feel good about that. Now, again, that's me thinking they're going to be investments down the road. That's my best shot, in my in my opinion. But I also love the cards. They're cool. The stories behind them. The fact that I have a few cards within the, the Griffey community that I know that, you know, not a lot of folks have. That gives that makes it exciting and fun for me. Pride of ownership. So there's so many other factors that, that weigh into it. Um, but, yeah, I, I've counted for every penny. So we're, we're, we're diving into this piece now we we're going to talk about. I, I spent every... I've accounted for every penny I've spent, and I know where I'm at from an ROI perspective, at least gross. Even if you take away net, I bet you I still lose money if I liquidated fire sale right now on all the cards I still have, even with all the good stuff I've rolled into. I probably still, but not nearly as much if I just would have walked away and kept making poor, poor choices. It, deploying the money and walking away, pointing, locking in those losses all the way along the way. So I also think it's about how you how you navigate through all of that, the decisions you make after you sell for a loss. Yeah, for sure. It's important. What are you going to do with that? And that's something that, you know, I do buy and sell cards as like, you know, to Ziggy's comment earlier as a, as a means to raise capital to put back into my own PC. I think a lot of us do that. And that, you know, if I can, if I, if I say, okay, I've got this card I bought in 2021, I'm just going to, and these numbers are just for, for illustrative purposes. I pay 10 grand. I can get four grand for that card now. Let me do that. But I'm now going to take that $4,000 and I'm going to work extra hard with it to earn back the six that I lost because I'm going to feel bad that I lost 6K. So I'm going to take that four and I'm going to try to buy something that I could make 6K back on. So is that going to be inventory for card shows? Well, maybe, but then I have to get really lucky or I have to find the right collection to buy. And then now I'm putting in my time. The fact of the matter is, I don't. for me, I don't really consider my time to be uh, and I'm going to be at these shows anyway at my booth. So I'm, I'm happy to do it. But yeah, I think where you go with that money is super important. Decide, do you want, like, just because your cards have gone down in value doesn't mean you've lost money. You only lose money when you sell those cards. Mm -hmm. Decide very carefully if you want to lock it in. If not, ride it out. I, I My strategy, again, I don't want to sit here and give anyone investment advice. That's not what we're doing. We're taking no. stock on the issues. We're not giving advice. But I will tell you what I do. And what I do is I sit back and I let a couple of years go by and then reassess where the market's at on some of those cards. Dave Snyder says, hello from Buffalo. Nice to see you, Dave. Hobby Champ said, I think it's pretty simple. Someone purchases cards in hopes of future returns. Then it was an investment. Yeah, that, I don't think you can argue with that. Nathan, we are glad you found this as well. Carlos says, I always say this when we talk about cards, money. Okay, we did that one. Thank you very much. Warren says, not all investments appreciate in value. Enron, Bear Stearns, Groupon stock. Uh, definitely. 
definitely. The funny thing is, you know, there's there's a lot of narrative about how cards are not investments and shouldn't be looked at as investments, and and that's fine. And that's advice worth listening to. I say that because you have to be aware of risk. You have to assess your risk tolerance. Are you a conservative sports card investor or are you an aggressive sports card investor? Are you a prospector? Are you a goat hunter? Ooh, new term. Are you right? Are you going for goats only? Or are you, and that's like just to just to to contrast it to prospecting. You you have to not overextend. Maybe don't take out loans on your cards all the time, you know. Or listen, I and this ties into some of the PWCC stuff, right? People who took out loans on their cards maybe got forty percent loan to value, and then the cards say declined by eighty percent. Now the cards only worth twenty. Why would you bother paying off that loan? You got forty. You got double what it's worth now on the loan. Now and maybe that's you know something that was going on, but important stuff to consider. Uh, here, Dennis Chris Kissel says, "I try to think of it as a two-way play, like like and value." That said, if you get ten to fifteen cards to start losing money, it gets tough. You have to decide what your sort, what your sort game is, and your or your short game and your long game. Exactly, exactly. What is your short game? What is your long game? When are you willing to lock in your losses? Here's a great comment, Dennis, from Tom Grant. There is more demand than five years ago, but there's also tons more cards. People are starting to realize all this ultra modern is basically junk. Yeah, I think a lot of it is. We said earlier, like less than 1% of cards are investable. In my opinion, yeah. that, that's, that's for sure. The other thing to consider, guys, why did the market take this turn? We always... We the hobby, the narrative is the pandemic ended. No more free government money. People are traveling. They're going out to eat. They're going to games instead of buying cards of the players in the games. But there's another thing that I think that I think had a, an impact, and it might it might have just been like a like a speed bump in the in the cycle. But the backlog, the grading backlog at both PSA and Beckett, twelve million cards at PSA alone. Those cards are in the market now. That's a lot of cards to all of a sudden, it's, it's a tsunami of slabs hitting the market over the last, whatever, year and a half and supply and demand, guys. I mean, you have to always always come back to the basics, supply and demand. More supply, demand decreases because everybody who wants a card can now, can now get that card. I think that's behind us. I don't think, I think we're now at a more, you know, million card a month. Uh, output from from PSA and and the and the other grading companies the the other the other three kind of major human grading companies so consider that as well when we look at and we analyze the reasons for where we are today and then Carlos here Dennis says I love your last statement about taking the loss and moving on and taking those proceeds putting it into something else I like this strategy if you are selling yeah if you are somebody who sets up at card shows or you have an online outlet you sell on you sell on eBay or PWCC or ComC or any of the auction houses, that makes a lot of sense to, for you to maybe try to earn that back. You're going to have to put in more work, but you can still try to earn that back. And well, then there's, here, a bunch of, there's a lot of people though, Jeremy, that, that bought, and you talk about all the slabs that are hitting the market, this junk slab era, which that was being talked about well before it actually happened because everybody kind of figured it would, right? You're going to get a rush of stuff, a rush of product. People are reading the tea leaves and then everybody's getting out of it. The folks that are just trying to flip get in and get out, you know, basically eat while they could and then leave, never were collectors, didn't really care. 
you had a big segment of folks that were doing that. So you have all these cards blooding up the system. True collectors are sitting there going, what's going on? I mean, at the time I was listening to those people say that I was in this middle ground of no man's land where I'm like, well, I love collecting cards. I'm like really into it. I, I enjoy content and, you know, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to navigate, figure out which way I'm going to go, buying a bunch of stuff, but, you know, trying to, to do the right thing, but enjoying the cards in the sense, like, I want to keep these. And I my intent was to keep them. But then as I grew and learned, I would sell cards to get rid of them, to get the capital to buy the cards I wanted. Now, a lot of people sometimes say, if you're not keeping the card for a long term, you know, if, well, if you're talking about it and calling it a card you've always wanted to have, and then you sell it later, it's not truly a card you wanted to have. And there's, there's truth to that, but there's also, okay, there's a sentiment of like, I need to raise capital to buy this really amazing card. I'm now switched gears. I'm going to do do that. And does that happen more often than not? I mean, people have side PCs and things of that nature. You can't just take cash out of your bank account, buy whatever you want, whenever you want it. Um, I just think there's a big segment of our hobby that people that started out coming into the hobby, wanting to be investors, so to speak, or investing in cards, thinking there were going to be investments. Probably a lot of those people, some of those people as well, sending those cards in to be graded by PSA. And then they realize, geez, these cars aren't worth anything. There's tons of them hitting the market. We didn't have any idea how many were printed. You know, and the old time collectors, I know you're all in the room going, we knew this was going to happen. We tried to warn you. Um, well, you know, people didn't listen. And here we are. And now I think there's people that are trying to be collectors now, not because they're, they're trying to be, because they want to be. And they're learning about it. They're asking the right questions. They're talking to the right people. I mean, I have a show called The Collector Series. It focused on that. And I, I wanted to have that series, you know, before I had it launched and talking about that because I, I enjoyed the conversation around collectors, the actual people collecting cards and their PCs and seeing what people actually had and what they were keeping. That was fascinating to me. So I think that now that's the focus, right? It's about what are we keeping? What are, what's important to us? What do we want to show off? So the investment thing, it just doesn't play the same way. That's why I mean, that's just where I'm, I'm that's where I'm living at the moment. It could all change, you know, um, I can't I can't say I'm, I'm always going to be feeling that way, but it feels that way right now. Maybe a lot of people are feeling that way right now. So. Well, there's a comment here from Found Treasure says, personally, I see my higher end cards as bonus investments during my retirement years, 15, 20 years away. I won't rely on them as income in retirement. Rather, rather sell them off slowly for trips, etc. I like that. I like that that perspective. Bonus investments. Yeah, I mean, again, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't don't put them all. Don't put everything into one player. Don't put everything into sports cards. It's too risky. It just it just is too. This could all go to zero. It could if if we ever enter a period of martial law, it all goes to zero. You literally yeah. need your cards to keep you warm at night. You got to burn them. Like that's where that's where that's where it. No, I don't think we're going to get there, but you just, you know. We're, going, we're all going down, taking Martial stock. Law. Everything's going. We're burning. Martial law. Tom Grant says, Dennis, next time you're at a card show, just take a look. Take in the sheer quantity of special cards. You'll realize that most of them aren't so special. I think that's a that's a good comment, too. I think because this is where you, this is where I talk about being savvy and having some insight. This is where experience really helps is, Having uh, the ability to look at a card and thinking and saying to yourself, you know, this card has a chance long term to become something that people want. That's the only way that that a collector is going to want, because without collectors, these things aren't really worth anything. They're, it's just a game of hot potato. We need collectors at the end of the day who want that pride of ownership. They want to own it, look at it, enjoy it. 
share it with their friends. So, uh, but yeah, you, when you realize that not all cards are special, you know, when we try and say what percentage of cards are investment worthy, it's a fraction of a percent, truly. I think it's a very, just because there's so many cards made every single day. So Perk, here's a comment from Perk, says, take 1,000 of the, of the Griffey Jr. PSA 10 cards, put them in a vault for 30 years. I would look at that as a good investment as almost any other material item. And I think that goes for a lot of other cards. So hmm. maybe, maybe not Perk, right? Because 30 is a lot. Now you got to sell them. You can't sell them all at once. You're, you're going to flood the market. So you have to sell them strategically. and But you are still going to put more and more out there. I think you have to look at populations overall. How many of those, you know, for a Ken Griffey Jr., how many PSA 10s, how many BGS 9.5s and up are there out there in the marketplace available? Because you're not the only one thinking that way. You're not the only one. In 30 years, there could be a dozen people doing that same thing. So I like the way Perk is thinking, but I don't know that that's my strategy. I would rather own a couple of them, maybe one or two. I'm not a doubles guy when it comes to my 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 like goat holding. So, but interesting comment. Thank you, Perk. Michael Ham says, "What's up, guys? From a monetary standpoint, cards can be investments. I bought my Trout 9.5 first auto in 2013 for $250 as a long-term investment. Well, yeah, for sure." There's no doubt that they can be an investment. I bought, and I've talked about it on my Instagram and, and YouTube. I bought a PSA 8 Bobby Orr in 2007 or 2000, whatever it was, 7 or 08. A PSA 8, one of the 43 nicest Bobby Orr rookie cards on the planet at that time. I, I recently sold it before my 25-year horizon. I had other reasons to sell it. But I sold it for five or six times what I paid for it. How now I enjoy it. I had pride of ownership for 15 years owning that card. But as it went up in value over time, slowly, then it did this and then it came back down. Then, it, you know, well, that's Q1 of 2021, then the, that, that year. And then it continued to kind of just sit where it is. I still made like a 500% return on that card. You cannot tell me that the right cards cannot be investments. Yeah, they don't spin off rental interest or dividend income, but not all investments have income spinoffs. Some are capital in nature, meaning meaning that you are only, you can have a capital asset that spins off income. I get that. But most of them are capital gains only, right? You're not, you know that you're not going to get income from that card. I'm not going to charge admission for it. So if I sell it down the road for double what I paid for it, that is still an investment. It, it just, it, it, it just is. Yeah. Ahead, that's, that's, that's you, okay. You're speaking to, let's just pretend there's, there's half of the people in the room who had all these cards prior and, and good for you, Michael, like you, you bought that card at 250. That's awesome. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. You know, I, I bought it for much, much, much more than that. And I'm, you know, I'm selling it tonight. Hopefully whoever buys it actually pays this time. Um, Cause eBay is so wonderful, but I, it's not eBay, it's the people on eBay. Um, but I think that uh, that's great for half the room, the people that had the cards well before. The people that are like, yeah, it's been great for me because I'm selling these cards to basically me, guys like me, for you know quadruple the profit. And they're walking away going, of course, these are investments. Well, of course they are. When you made that kind of money, it's just about when you got into the card and when, and when what was going on in the hobby. So for for I'm so I'm speaking and trying to represent the guys in the room that are still here that love to collect and want to collect 
that are still trying um, that basically got, you know, destroyed and not destroyed. That's a very extreme word. Spent a lot of money and yes, have some cool cards now, but feel just a little, I was done with the word is a little, uh, there's a word for it, not jaded, but just kind of like, man, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as say they're, they're these solid investments any longer because I feel like I, was I just someone's, you know, meal ticket to just, you know, take advantage of this big market. And again, I'm not crying about it. It, it is what it is. I just feel like there's, there's, there's probably a lot more people like that feel the way I do or, or experience what I experienced that are still here that want to be a part of the hobby that are going, man, that was rough. Um, so, I don't know what the at- cards or investments. Yeah, well, so it it it, it just comes. Listen, I, I don't think anything you said there means that they're not investments, and here's why: because so lo, most people have heard of Shopify. It's a big Canadian company, but they're they're huge mm-hmm. uh, in North America. So I remember buying Shopify stock for fifteen hundred dollars Canadian a share. Sorry, sorry, let sorry, let me back up. That's what I sold for. I remember buying Shopify stock for one hundred and ninety dollars a share. I sold it at fifteen hundred dollars a share. Made some money. The guys that bought it for me at $1,500, they bought it thinking it was investment because it's a stock. It's a traditional financial instrument. It's a corporate security. It's a, it's an, it's a, it's a stock. It's a regulated instrument, right? So they paid $1,500. That's you buying your cards in 2021. Yeah. If they're going to have that same outlook on a Shopify stock as we would in buying uh, LeBron James cards in 2021. You got in at the wrong time. Then what happened? That that stock came back, came down from fifteen down to like eight hundred or nine hundred dollars. I remember. I thought to myself, okay, I got out at fifteen. I'm gonna buy back in at nine hundred. I went and bought a bunch of shares at nine hundred dollars. Well, guess what? They went down to four. Is that does that mean that nine hundred wasn't an investment for it for me? No, that was still an investment. And guess what? As of like a couple of days ago, I'm basically back to even on that second round of me investing in Shopify. So these. We could we could sub out Shopify for LeBron James Topps Chrome rookies or Kobe Bryant or Ken Griffey or anybody. Your 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 yeah. your psychology of how you're looking at it is based on how you have performed, and that's based on when you got in. It does not to me impact the potential for a card or that card to be considered an investment. It's just what it just didn't turn out well for you and and the people that you're representing in that line of discussion. Well, I think it's it's also how long do I tend to hold it to? Like, you know, I rolled it into these cards I'm going to keep now. I'm not selling the stuff I have and I'm keeping them, keeping it. You know, it's not stuff I need to sell. It's stuff I want to keep, I want to have, and I, I have pride of ownership. So it's just, it, the rest of it's past news, but I just, it, the, the investment conversation just doesn't sit the same way with me as it did before. And obviously it's personal experience, but, you know, I've also picked up some stuff and, and you know, done well with it as well. Um made some of the right calls, but it, it just comes down to making the right call at the right time. And, and nobody really knows when the bottom, where the bottom is. Cause I think at the end of the day, sometimes a lot of the, and when, and with the cards that I'm holding, the Griffies, and if you got the, the bigger names, even some of the stuff that's a little less exciting, you're still probably going to be fine. Cause the collector bases are pretty strong. I think that's why the hobby will still be okay. Where I worry is you get people that are like seriously prospecting and gambling on some of these cards. I mean, that's a zero sum game. You either you buy it, you sell it, someone's going to get really hurt, and you, there's no real value for the guy who doesn't even play anymore. For me, at least, I got my childhood hero, 
in cards. Like I'm, I'm still going to be fine. I'm never going to be, I'm not going to be crying in my Cheerios every, every morning about it. I'm not going to be counting the pennies with it. You know, most of my stuff, you can't track the value of, and, and that's a cool thing to me. I think it's actually a blessing in disguise. So I could just enjoy the cards, not worry how much, how, not worry about how much they're worth right now and all that good stuff. But, and I'll still want to target cards and buy them. To be honest, now I, I'm kind of bullish on waiting. You know, I thought, gosh, there's some great deals coming out right now. People trying to sell cards for different reasons, an opportunity to get them. So I've been lucky to get some, my hands on some of these cards. I might have overpaid a little bit for some of these grippies, but I'm okay with that because I'm happy to have them. I think they're 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 important cards to me. They're important cards to the, the Griffey community, and I'm very very satisfied. But you know, I'm focused, and I know what I'm doing. I'm just I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of someone who was just bouncing all over the place, never really found that focus, and now they're like, gosh, I, I don't even have capital to buy more cards because I spent too much on the cards that basically went to nil. I don't know. I might be well, beating that dead horse, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, and that that's where it comes down to experience, learning lessons, and using it to your benefit moving forward. You mentioned, you know, a lot of it is gambling. Yeah, a lot of it is gambling. If you're buying ultra modern cards, you are gambling. You are not, to me, unless you consider gambling your form of investing. If you like that high risk, you know, that 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 high action stuff. Brett Oppenheim makes the comment here, the stock market example doesn't work because most ultra-modern purchases that were made at market peak will never exceed that value, not even in 30 years. Well, that's only half true. That's not That's not, That's not. not 100% correct, Brett, because the stock market example, sure, it doesn't apply to ultra-modern, but ultra-modern is a, a fraction of the cards out there. And you have to look at the whole scope of cards that are, that are out there. We've been, and we've said before during the show that, not all cards are investable, but the stock market example actually does work. It, it, it works very nicely when you are looking at a card that you can that you can compare it to. Mm -hmm. Ultra modern, yeah. Listen, I and I don't dabble in ultra modern. I learned my lesson a long time ago because I'm not in the quick flip game. I don't break and flip, break and flip, and and invest in in a, a modern player to see what he's going to do next week. Too risky for me. I don't enjoy that. I want players that have proven something and, and are, I'm not a prospector. So for Brett's comment, I agree with Brett that it doesn't work in the ultra modern world, but that, that example does work when you are not looking at ultra modern. So I think, I think Brett's comment is only half true. Uh, I mean, Tom Brandt here says, go ahead. I, I mean, I would, I, I, I like where Brett's going with that. I'd almost expand it out. Not just ultra modern. There's a lot of cards out there. I mean, we talked about them at the very beginning at less than 1%. And Mangini Collection did bring up something here too. I, I noticed in the, on the comments there is, does anyone just collect anymore? Well, that's really the, the, the point, right? It, you start out going, ah, this is cool. I can invest in cards. What's this all about? Then it, you know, and I kind of, when I came back into it, I didn't watch any content. I just wanted to buy some Ken Griffey Jr. cards because I, you know, I had, a, I met with a friend and he had some cards and it kind of perked my interest. I started exploring it and I went down, it would just snowballed from there. Then I discovered content. Um, but at first, my innocence was I want Ken Griffey Jr. cards. So I just went back to that, right? Because I wanted to collect him. I love collecting things in general. So it went, it was natural. I collected as a kid. So I'm there now. I'm collecting now. But I am collecting also with this, like, I don't just want the tops 89 upper deck or 89 tops traded PSA 10. There's just a bajillion of them. I want the pride of ownership of having some of the coolest ones he has. So now my, you know, now I've got, you know, champagne taste. <laughs> that's the issue. Sorry. Uh, thank you to Brett for the uh, $5 contribution. Um, okay. So 
let, let, and I, I hear what you're saying, and and you're right. I agree with that, Dennis. That to Brett's comment, it's not only ultra modern that it doesn't work for. Again, you have to be savvy. You have to have some experience. You have to, if you want it to work for you, you have to, you have to have an edge, not an angle, not an angle. Angle sounds a little dirty. You have to have an edge, and and I think that a lot of people do. Let's go through. We got. So I've got 14 comments uh, favorited so far here, Dennis. Uh, Michael Hampton's most cars today are very short-term investment when riding the hype waves. Yeah, if you're in that, you know, that ultra-modern flip game or or players who are still playing, and a lot of people love that. That's a rush. So I hear that. Boston Maple Leaf says, I think the only guarantee, the only guaranteed modern safe investment is unopened wax. If you buy immediately, you're almost certain to make gains in three to five years. And listen. That might be true. I can't speak to it. I don't play that game. I do not collect brown boxes. I just don't collect brown boxes. I like I like cards. So, but mm. a, a, a worthy comment and thank you, Boston Maple Leafs. You for real says goats are investments. Everything else is hobby. How are Herbert Burrow cards worth more than Joe Montana when they haven't won a Super Bowl yet? Most modern player values have multiple rings built in. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And that's it's that perspective that helps guide some of my collecting and what I enjoy. I don't enjoy the, the emotional roller coaster of investing in a, a, a player who could get concussed on Saturday or Sunday. So I, I, I love that comment from uh, you for real and welcome to the show. Uh, Newfie Sig says with reference to my PC, I don't care about value, but when it comes to holding cards, hoping for value to increase in the long run, 20 plus years, I feel it almost exclusively has to be hall of famers. Yeah, I think that's a safe way. Again, we're Hall of Famers, not ultra modern. So I, I definitely agree with that comment, Newfie. Uh, found, uh, you're, you're, you're ahead of me, Dennis. Hold on, you're ahead of me here. Found Treasure says, personally, I see my higher end cards as bonus investments. Okay, sorry, I did that one already. All right. Uh, Skeppy, did he just say martial law? Under those circumstances, cards might have more positive power than anything in history. Hope and memories live in cards and you know that might be that might be the case you never know miss drew says if you're buying as an investment you have to buy the best of breed like any other asset class i think it's i think yes and no to that because best in breed means the highest graded card of everything well you can't who can afford that very few people so best you can afford right that's the point yeah it's not go sell your house to buy a card no one's telling anybody to do that I'm just saying that's impossible to do. So the rest of us, you know, most of us are going to get the highest grade we can get just to get it. You know, that's just, yeah. I like the shit. You got to get to Tom Grant. <laughs> I, I've got his, I've got some of his already scarred. Robert Dudek says gold bullion, for example, is viewed as an investment and generates no income. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Here, Tom Grant says, Dennis, hobbies are supposed to be fun. The money you spend on them should simply be disposable income. No different than the money you spent to see a movie. See, now, you're nodding, but I don't agree with that. I and listen, let me let me let me rephrase. I don't approach it that way. That's not my approach to this hobby. This is my hobby. It's my lifestyle. This is the cards are definitely my hobby, but I don't look at it as only disposable income. I have parts of my PC that I only put that that I don't care if I buy out this card for eighty bucks, it goes to zero. I don't care. I'm buying it because I love it. I want to own it. I want to look at it. I collect the set, whatever it might be. Some cards, and some cards, that is my approach, Tom Grant's comment. But I have other cards where if it's, because here's the thing, 
If I want to buy a card for money that is a, a significant amount of money to me, and the significant amount of money is going to be different for everybody. But when I am putting a significant amount of money into a card, that's not my disposable income. That is my savings or it's my investment capital. It's, you know, mm-hmm. so I think that to say the, the when, when this comment says the money you spend should simply, it's the should I have an issue with. What then, what I think Tom is saying is this is, this is how I, pre, this is how I approach it. And I recommend maybe this is how you do. But the word should, I don't think is fair. You, you can't tell me how I should spend my money on my hobby, whether I want to invest in it or not. Not Nothing against Tom Grant, but you well, can't. I don't, I don't think anybody is spending the amount of money it takes to go to a movie on cards anymore. I, it's, people are spending $10,000, $30,000 on cards. There's, there's, a, there's a market of people doing that, a demographic of people spending that kind of cash. There's a lot of people spending $10,000 and below on cards that's not going to the movies man that's like he said earlier going to vegas um doing something with your family i mean yes i'm not i'm never putting my family no, no way there's that's not happening i guarantee you that and there's a comment earlier saying you just gotta just gotta move on get over it. i I'm, i totally i get it man it's it's just frustrating a little bit when you think about it because we're talking about that right now in this discussion but i perfectly i sleep well at night knowing what i have and i'm not really worried about it but I'm just thinking broadly. Okay. How are something that, how is something that sold at a high ever going to get back to that? I think a lot of those cars that did won't, maybe some will. Um, but I think a vast majority of them won't. So you better enjoy the cards you bought is my, my thought, but yeah, disposable income. That's tough. Cause it, I don't, unless if you have disposable income in that kind of amounts, that, that, that amount of money, I mean, you must be doing all right. And again, it comes back to to when you got in as far as your comment that I don't think some of these will ever get back to all-time highs. Well, I hear the comment, but I will always say we don't know what the future may hold. We we just don't. I never would have thought they would have gone to where they went to, but they did. But And they can, they may get there again. But if you don't think they will, go with it. That's a, that's a conservative approach. And I'm a conservative investor. I'm a conservative I take a conservative approach to things. So I think that's a, it's a good approach. That's one that I would endorse. Okay. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, thank you, Tom Grant. Random Rip says, anything you buy with the intent of selling for profit is an investment. Pretty simple, really. Yeah, that, 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 that just breaks it down quite simply. And I do agree with that comment. Tom goes on to say, find things or cards you enjoy and collect them. Yes, do that. Spend your movie money on them or more or more. Maybe spend your weekend party money on them, whatever it is. If you enjoy them, four hundred dollars go to a movie where you're at, Tom. (laughs) If you enjoy them, then they are worthwhile. And yeah, I mean, great comment right there. He goes on to say, if they go up in price, great. If not, you've already got your money back in enjoyment. I love that. I love that perspective. Enjoy this. Enjoy the hobby. Enjoy your cards while you have them. If you're constantly watching the values of them, that can be very depressing at times. So enjoy the cards. Don't. My my advice, and this isn't investment advice, this is life advice if you want it, if you don't just, just mute me for now, but don't watch the values every day. Don't yeah. worry about what the next copy sells for because that was a moment in time. Comps are not perfect data points. They do not tell the whole story of the whole market. They only tell the story of the people that saw that card on that marketplace at that time and were available 
and able to bid at that time as well. There's a lot of other factors uh, that, that come into play. Warren Lawfer says many stocks uh, also never go get back up to all-time highs. Again, a great comment that allows you to make those analogies between sports cards and more traditional financial corporate instrument, regulated security type of, uh, of comparisons. Sam Schmidt says people just need to keep buying cards. It will all dollar cost average itself out. Yeah, but if you can somehow avoid the highs, which is hard to do, and I don't really, I, I'm always buying cards, but yeah. Uh, Swifty here says you have to let it go, DPZ. It's a process of would have, could have, should have. I think there, there, there's a there's some validity to that comment, but it is hard to let go because we are a money-driven society. And when you buy something and it goes down in value, that is t- that can be a tough on your psyche. That can be tough on your mood. So you have to be careful and you have to take, I think you have to be careful what you are buying and know, know yourself, know your risk tolerance. That's so important. That's All right. Chris Kissel with a $5 contribution. Brett Oppenheim, both going to the sports car dad who's not even here. Congratulations to Dustin and his channel. Uh, okay, continuing on though. Let's keep oh boy, we have ton, tons and tons of comments. Dustin, you owe me coffee. Kirk coffee. says, even if you consider yourself purely a collector for enjoyment, when collecting anything that has value, the enjoyment has to be in some way tied to the cost, unless money is of no object. Yeah, that makes good sense to me. What do you think, Dennis? I like that one. I, I'm glad you picked it out. I was noticing it earlier. It kind of hits on all the points. And because if money's no object, then what are we even talking about? Just go buy whatever you want. I like the fact that it, you you have to think about it. I like the fact that you have to make decisions on what needs to go in order to buy what you want to add to that collection, to, to improve your collection, to carefully curate this collection that you are going to feel proud about, um, proud of. I, I don't, it, when it's just easy, then... I don't know. Of course, I'd love to go back in time and, and get everything I have right now without all the stuff I went through for, pen, you know, pennies on the dollar. But and none of it's that bad. It, it's just I am actually grateful for the experience, man. There's been a lot of awesome experiences. I've learned how to sell on eBay. I've learned how uh, how this how the, you know, I'm learning still, but I, I've learned a lot. I don't think I learned that if I just lucked out and or if I had all the money in the world able to buy whatever I want whenever I want it. Um, there's something to having to wait to, to try to find the, the good deal. There's something about that that's kind of rewarding when you finally get that card. You know, it's part of the hobby experience, not just getting it when you want to get it and, you know, making promises to yourself. Like, you know, I'm going to just wait. I'm going to have to sell this to buy that. I'm going to have to make sure this is done before I do that. That's just part of, you know, obviously being, you know, prudent financially, but it's also important Um it's a it's a piece of the hobby that I think is is necessary. You have to demonstrate patience, and then it makes it so much better once you get it. So, you know, I, I like how it you it does cost you a little bit to get the fun the, the, the nice things you have, right? So, yeah, yeah. Lapper says walked on walked in on a great convo. Love it. Welcome to the show, Lapper. Chris Kissel. Okay, but the investment opportunities are the guys that become goats. No one was screaming for Pat Mahomes. In 2017, Aaron Judge in 18, right. those are the most fun. 
they're the most fun to you, Chris Kissel, and I think to a lot of people because these players yeah. are playing. You take yeah. your cards out, you sit, you watch a game, you look at the card, he scores a touchdown, you look at the card, you feel <laughs> good about it. My card just went up in value. That's a lot of fun. But, you know, he breaks his femur out there. All of a sudden, that card isn't looking so good. Is that also fun? Well, maybe it is for you because it's, it's, it's the adrenaline rush. You know, you go to the casino. You, I've always... I've always thought for myself, if I'm going to go gamble at the casino, which I don't do, but I play poker, I'll play some poker. Mm-hmm. The The magnitude of the emotion of a loss always exceeds the magnitude of the emotion of a win for me. I, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. on the on the bad, on the feeling bad scale or the feeling good scale, my feeling good on a win is about here. My feeling bad on a loss is like up here. So maybe I shouldn't be playing poker because I lose about as much as I win. So what am I, why, why have a bad night or, or drive home from the casino or your buddy's place from playing poker and feel like you wasted your time in any event, it just comes down to, again, what do you want to do? If you have, if you have the emotional ability to withstand the ups and downs of the ultra modern game, have fun, have fun, but but be cautious because a lot of things can happen. John Morant can happen. You know, uh, LeBron can go, can get swept in the conference finals. That's going to have a short-term impact on his card values. I think a guy like that's a goat. You're, you're good long-term, but a lot yeah. of people who might be dumping his cards now might be a little short-sighted on that. I would, I'd be a holder myself and I am on a couple. Uh, Mr. Moderator says for many disposable income is dropping. Again, you have to know where you're at in life. You, don't overextend yourself. This is a fair comment. I mean, it's an it's an obvious comment, but it's all that all this comment adds to the discussion for me is make sure you're not overspending so that you can't pay your rent or your mortgage or feed your family. So make sure. But I think maybe one of the other you know repercussions of this is that there's now less people to buy your cards down the road. Well, that's right now. The economy is cyclical. It just is. It always will be. It's, it's, it's always going to go in cycles. We will have a strong, booming economy in, the, in due course here, whenever that's going to be, but it's going to happen. So you can try to time that a little bit. Here we go. Lapper says, you can argue what is a better store of value, gold, Bitcoin, silver, but some sports cards are very clearly stores of value along with awesome assets to hold in a portfolio that can be fun as well. A portfolio that can be fun as well. I'll tell you. I love my sports cards holding a lot more than I love any of my equities or anything else I'm invested in. Sports cards are the most fun for me. And I think a lot of us Mm -hmm. feel that way, but you have to, again, you don't feel that way if you came in in 2021 or if you're only playing the ultra modern game. You just, I don't know that you can be feeling that way. So again, it really comes down to these things. The other thing to think about Dennis and all this is right now, sports cards are at a three year low. So, Right now is the best time we've had really since, what, the end of 2019 to buy cards, early 2020. Like the pandemic started really March, April 2020. Right now is the best time to buy cards since Q1 of 2020. Should it be a buying time or a selling time? Or if you think that because of economic factors that card values are going to continue to come down, maybe keep on waiting, but you risk that they go up in value and then you didn't get those deals. I don't like trying to time the market. I just, it's hard to do, but some people are good at it. Some people are good at it. I I personally would not be buying right now. Um, 
I think things are continuing to go down and I don't think we've seen the beginning of it, uh, the recession that's about to hit, at least down here. Um, and I think that's going to have a global effect and I, especially with sports cars, I mean, wherever you're buying them, um, I just don't think it's a time to buy. I think it's a time to wait and see and watch. Um, but it all depends on what you're looking at. You know, if you're, if you're so focused on your collection that you're waiting for that one card that you haven't seen hit the market for five years, well, your, your time to buy might be now, right? If you have, if you have the ability. So I think it just depends on what you're buying and collecting. I, I, yeah, I would be very careful about buying anything modern. I mean, learn your lesson, move on. You know, I, I couldn't sit here and come and have this, have this take if I'm still buying a bunch of modern cards and taking L's, like I already know better. So I think you just, but again, I, people that enjoy collecting those cards, that's great. You should collect them. That's awesome. If you want to collect them, wonderful. I just, I wouldn't be spending, you know, gobs of money on them. It makes me nervous when I see the amount of money spent on some of these unproven players. The comment you got, first of all, uh, thank you, Dan. And, and thank you to the chat. You guys, you guys are killing crazy. it just like you did on episode one yeah, last crazy. Monday. Taking stock is going to be Tuesdays at 10 o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Pacific. We're going to try to do this every Tuesday, but I think we'll, we'll do it like three Tuesdays a month uh, unless we, we get really crazy and just do it four uh, and five the odd month. But that's, that's the plan, everybody. It's, it's streaming live to, to my YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live, and to the Sports Card Dad YouTube channel where Dennis took his collector series from the Luca Nation YouTube channel after that, fizzled out and moved it over to the Sports Card Dad. And that's uh, why we're, we're here today. Uh, okay, more. Con I got, but we are. We wanted this show to be an hour long. We're at an hour and five minutes already. So we knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna request that you that the chat just stops. I know it's tough, <laughs> and I know you probably won't. But let me ask anyway. Please stop so we can get to. We can get through some more and 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 wrap this up. But I got. I've still got like nine starred, and I'm sure I haven't seen about a couple dozen. So Stukes here says. So often the first item sells high, the second lower, and the third even lower. That is such an astute comment. It's something I've been thinking about lately. And, but the thing is, is to be the first person to sell a card, a, a scarce card, you know, a really scarce card, that takes some nerves too, because you don't maybe know where the market's at. There hasn't been a comp on it in one to three years, let's say. So you're not even sure. You have no indication. Uh, but he's right. I've, 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 I've witnessed this. I think we, we've all witnessed it. And, and then it's a race to the bottom because, oh, I better get in before it goes down even more. And that just puts more downward pressure on things. So one of the worst things we as a community can do is all sell our cards at the same time. Chasing Major says, the best part about everybody's comments and perspective is it shows how broad this hobby can be. We collect, we invest, we buy and sell. Some of us can afford a big boat. Some of us, not so much. And 100% agree with this comment. I love it because... We are all here watching this show, doing this show because we are like-minded and that we love this hobby. We love sports cards. We like we like owning them, and it's it's our hobby. For some of us, it's a business. For some of us, it's a it's just a hobby. For some, it's everything. Mm -hmm. So, thank you for that comment, Chasing Majors. I love that comment. Comment of the night so far for me, right there. The professor says Dennis was going to comment on fractional ownership of sports sports cards. We brought that up earlier. Dennis, is there anything you'd like to say about fractional ownership of sports cards? I mean, I, I don't know if it made a lot of sense for some of the stuff that was out there, but I think for certain cards, I think there's 
definitely has legs. You need Honus Wagner or maybe a, a 79 OPG PSA 10 Wayne Gretzky. Uh, there are cards that are just out of reach for any normal human being. And fractional might be the best, best way to have if you want to invest. Now, if I'm a collector, no, I want to hold the card. And Tom, I saw your comment about, you know, maybe you don't, you don't get to have everything. Trust me, I get that. I actually, there's, there's some cards that I have that I share. There's a couple of us in our Griffey community that one has one, I have the other. That's exciting. Or one has one that's in perfect condition. I have one that's not in perfect. But it's exciting to know you're in that, you know, you're in that group. You know, you're, you're collecting the same cards. Or somebody has this beautiful card no one else can have, but they have it. And it's kind of fun to know that that person has it. And we talk about it. And so there's an enjoyment that comes out of all this stuff. Trust me. It's just awesome. But I think that as a collector, it'd be tough for me to invest in a piece of a card that I'll never touch. I want to see the card. I want to hold it. I want to touch it. Um, that matters to me. Um, it's important. So I'm just going to try to get the highest grade I can afford on the cards that I can actually afford, you know, responsibly. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I love the concept of fractional ownership. I did work with Collectible for just short of two years doing a show called Collectible Live for them. I love the concept of it because I can't afford a PSA 10, 52 Tops, Mickey Mantle, or a Honus Wagner, or a multitude of other cards. And I'm, I own a lot of my own cards. I, I've, I've got about, I don't know, 60 on display right there that you can't see. I, you know, I, I love, I love cards, but I also would be willing to own a small piece of some cards that I can't otherwise afford. Collectible is, seems to be going away now. Uh, some of the other ones, I can't remember what they're called. Dips or something like that seems to be gone. Um, it didn't, I, I think it's, I, I think it's digs. Dig, but I like dips. 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 It's dips, called dips. dips um, I forget what that one. What was it called? I, I think it was. Uh, now I don't know. Now Whatever. Okay. Yeah. But my, my, you know, no, it's okay. My point. I, I, I just feel that that the hobby, or even just the the, the hobby, and even some of the external people, I'll just leave it with the hobby, wasn't ready for it yet. May never get there. May never get there. But I did like the concept, personally. It would have worked for me on some items, for sure. Skeppy says, if people understood what real money is, they would spend their fiat currency differently towards real things. Cards are real things. They aren't gold, but they're always better than a fiat currency. I've thought about this myself and wondered, are cards just another fiat? Like, are they? Because there's no inherent value to cards. I mean, unless nostalgia. Nostal is that really an inherent value, though? I've said it a hundred times, Dennis. You can't eat cards. You can't live in them. And you can't wear them. You know, the basic human needs. They don't fill any of that. They make us happy. We They, 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 they satisfy some of our hunter-gatherer instincts, but our, our hoarding instincts. But they don't. They There's no real value to these other than people want to own them different than money different than gold i like the comments skeppy thank you very much for it that's Brenton Friesen says no one loves title. to see what they purchase go down in value here here of course mike petty says something about being an impatient eddie like me yeah if you're in if you are impatient i think that you're at a disadvantage in this hobby uh long-term investment wise i'm 42 years in this hobby and when I look back on that experience, I recognize that being patient is good. I bought my 51 Bowman Mickey Mantle. It's a PSA 6. I bought it 
in 2007 or eight, around when I bought that Bobby Orr, paid like six grand for it, I'll tell you. And after I bought it, and I bought it without doing any, any due diligence, on eBay one night, I bought it. I, I got this weird look on my face. My roommate at the time, he goes, what's wrong, Jer? I go, I go, Sean, I just bought a Mickey Mantle rookie card. He goes, what? I go, I just bought a Mantle rookie. Then I did some research. I found it four minutes before it ended. Then I did some research. Oh, I paid about $1,500 more than comps. I felt bad about that. I felt, okay, maybe like maybe I shouldn't have been so uh, you know quick to buy it. I, so impulsive, but I was. My strategy was put it away and forget about it. Well, look, look at me now, guys. Look at me now. Card's worth like 10 times what I paid for it. Six times anyway. So patience is so important. Don't let that short-term decline in value. I, I mean, maybe you want to lock in that loss. Maybe you don't. But don't let it discourage you so much. And I, I, I hesitate saying that because I'm not trying to encourage you to go out and spend all your money on, on sports cards. I'm not. But if you are thinking about it, you know, have some patience. I think it can go a long way. Yeah. Uh, Tom Grant says, Dennis, part of it is learning to enjoy cards you don't own. You can't own. Ev- oh, you talked to this one already, Dennis. Yeah. You can't own everything, but can still appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's a fair comment for sure. But at the same time, we like to own. Th- I'm addicted to mail days. You know, today I, today I went to my post office and I picked up these two cards. These are my two most recent cards. I picked and these are not investment cards. This is from a new, this is a 101 card checklist right here. Peter Bondra, all-time future watch acetate. I bought that off a guy on Instagram. I'm going for the set. I'm going to put in maybe three to five grand on the whole set. I don't consider that an investment. It's fun. It's going to, and it's a, it's a couple year long project for me. And then I picked this up just because it's awesome. I think I paid 30 bucks for this card. Like, I love it. I'm going to, it's Peyton Manning. It's Gallery of Heroes. It's from the nineties. Like, how can you not love a card like this? So very cool. You know, Those are cool. It's not all cool. about investing. Thank you to Sean Red for saying great show today. Mangini Collection says for collectors, it's like buying your dream car. You want that car more than the money. No one buys a car to drive for the next year and expects it to go up in value. No, but I, and I don't follow that market, uh, Mangini, but I do know that cars go up in value. Like the, Again, you have to be savvy. You have to know what you're doing. If you just come in the hobby... And go buy every car that comes off the line from the, you know, the Ferraris, the Lamborghinis, the Aston Martins, all that. You're probably going to make a mistake along the way. So, but I I do love that comment from Mangini. You for real says, thanks for an interesting discussion tonight. Thank you. You for real. Thank you, Joe Perot for the nice comment. All right. Um, So many comments, you guys really. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. You guys are wearing Jeremy out. He doesn't know what to do. He's trying to. I just got to the bottom of them. Mr. Moderator here, Dennis, says, holding cash is better than holding cards. Eh, however, hold, however, cards are more fun as cash earns you more money and interest to buy cards. If you have it in, if you have it in a savings account or, or a GIC or something, then yes, for sure. Cash is king. I don't know that I'll ever argue with that, but I'll tell you, I've, always, I've been collect, collector vesting in cards Vesting. for many years now and i and i've referred to them as you know fun money like money isn't fun for me i don't i don't get any enjoyment out of looking at at a hundred dollar bill or 
ten thousand or or a, a stack of ten thousand dollars. Like that doesn't make me happy. Looking at cards, I look at my cards. Oh, oh you're awesome. You're awesome. I love you. Uh, you're all, like that. That makes me happy. Money doesn't. I like having money in the bank. Of course, it's security. It's protection. It's food. It's shelter. But it doesn't. It's not a. It doesn't generate happiness for me. Money itself. Cards do for me. Well, so. guys, you heard it here. Jeremy doesn't care about money, but he loves cards. So start selling to Jeremy all your cards. He's got money. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want to see it. Go sell it to Jeremy. <laughs> and hey, awesome. a lot of you do. A lot of you do. Lot you lot know, I'm buying do. cards. I'm buying cards all the time. And that's that's I'm awesome. selling cards too, though. You know, I'm selling cards at card shows, a little bit online here and there, but mostly I do my selling at card shows. I love, I love the interaction. I love the negotiation. I love the relationship development, the networking, all that of it. There's so that that has been the community aspect of the hobby is something I think is is so special. It's, you, know, you talk about mental health and you know what what that can do for you. I, th that's been so. Uh, I've gained. I've gotten friend. I've built friendships and met so many wonderful people through the hobby. It's been a pretty neat experience. I have to say that's that's yeah, that's pretty special. Can't, couldn't have uh, thanked. Yeah, 100% agree. A deep value investor in the house. What's up? Well, you're going to have to go back and listen to it. This has been action-packed, uh, action-packed episode. So please rewind and check it out. So let's just sort of summarize some of the key points here, Dennis, before we end this show. And I'm going to look down to the notes. So can cards be investments? It's up to you. No one can tell you if they can or can't be. And if someone is telling you that, that's only based on their experience and how they approach it. You get to decide if you want to buy into that or a different perspective. Just because they don't spin off interest, dividends, and rent does not mean that they cannot be an investment. Value appreciation is a form of investment. How many cards, what percentage of cards qualify as investments? Well, it's going to depend on you, what your tolerance is. Is 50 cents an investment for you or $50 or five grand or 50,000? That's up to you. I, in chatting, Dennis and I, I think we agree, Dennis, that it's less than 1%. And I think it's a lot less than 1%. Personally, for me at least, cards out there in the grant and in, in the whole population of cards that are that qualify as investments, I think it's like a fraction of a single percent. Personally, vintage may be a better place. If you have to be, you can you you don't have to be as smart to invest in vintage as you do in modern, I don't think, or or you have to you can be more conservative. You have to have you have to be willing to take more risk in the modern stuff. I believe rarity, scarcity. Always consider that. Always consider populations, even though they're grossly overstated nowadays. Goats, goats over ultra modern. Goats over prospects. I think you're safer there, but you could hit the jackpot on a prospect as well. More like notice the word jackpot. More like gambling. Don't overextend yourself. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And think about your time horizon. Are you looking to flip in two weeks, two months, two years, or 20 years? And then also consider that you don't, you haven't lost money in your cards until you sell them. But you might want to sell them at a loss, take those proceeds, and redeploy them into something that you can do better with than continuing to sit on a card that might not fit the, the criteria of what makes a strong investment in your mind. And Chris J says, vintage is king. Please, Dennis. 
I, I, yeah, I mean, vintage is, you got to be careful with vintage as well. Um, I think it's, it just comes down to, you know, people, I uh, can't, I don't want to say collect what you love. I think everybody says that. And I, and it's, that's true, but just, you have to enjoy what you're going to buy. It needs to have more than a monetary value to you. It just has to. And I think it's part of the hobby community. It's part of the, the collecting community, especially if you're a, a player collector, it's part of that player collector community and having the pride of ownership and the, the and talking about, you know, the story, the card, who's had it, you know, the provenance of the card, all of that stuff. I think that stuff all matters. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think we agree that the, like less than 1% or fraction of a percent are truly investments. Uh, you know, I used to argue store of value. I don't even know if I say that. I just, I, I think you just got to be mindful of what you spend your money on and be conservative. Do a lot of homework. Do a ton of homework. Um, some of these Hall of Famers, they're, you know, they're not cardboard relevant. Um, if you're a player collecting, though, and you love that player, then who cares? You know, and the fact that they're not play, uh, uh, cardboard relevant means maybe the prices are just where they should be and where you want them to be. And that's a great thing if you're if you're collecting that player. I just get focused and 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 really love and care what you what you're putting your time and money and energy into. So that's that's what I have to say. I yeah, like, not, good talk, good conversation. Not all Hall of Famers are investment worthy. That's a key a key point to make. Ralph Kiner, I don't think is investment worthy. Mm-hmm. Hank Aaron, to me, is not all cards. But some cards are investment worthy, at least for me and how I approach things. Ralph Kiner, yeah, you want to, you're working on the Hall of Fame set registry. You need the card, but you're only going to sell it to another set registry investor at some or, point. Or a Detroit Tiger fan. You know, I mean, right. that's, that's where your Kiner's going to come in. Yeah, no, that's true. He just, not, to pick on, not to pick on him. Sorry. No, not to, no we're not, I'm not picking up. Just, you, you got to ask Al on him, man. He's listening off everybody who's ever had a card. This whole comment section. <laughs> he's pretty much all every card, every name of a person. He's just gonna he's gonna put out Bert and Ernie next. Bert and Ernie's coming. Yeah, I'm uh I'm just skipping right by him because uh, <laughs> not, not adding a ton to the conversation, but but he has thrown out some pretty cool names there. So yeah. uh, pre- definitely appreciate that. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, all right. um all right. Thanks, thanks, Dennis. Thank you to the chat. I think we're 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 gonna wrap up hour 22 longer than we wanted to go. This has been Taking Stock, talking about investing in cards. We will be back next Tuesday is the plan. Same time, same places. We will have a new topic and we will be taking stock on whatever that topic is. Please come back and join us again on either my channel, Sports Cards Live, or the Sports Card Dad, what I'm now referring to as a network, the Sports Card Dad Network. And with that, Dennis, we're done. Peace out, everybody. Good night. Thanks for joining, and we will see you again next time. Take care. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.